Hi, I'm Janet Deneef, founder and director of the Ubud Writers and Readers Festival. You are about to hear one of the highlight sessions of the 2021 event, which featured more than 150 storytellers and was explored through our theme, Mulat Sarira, self-reflection. So please settle in and let the magic of our 18th year continue. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Ubud Writers and Readers Festival 2021. This year, the festival returns with the theme Mulat Sarira, or Self-Refraction, which is drawn from a Balinese Hindu philosophy. So from 8th to 17th of October, we will explore the meaning of self-reflection, cultural introspection, and human rights, examining who we are, what unites and divides us, and what drives our actions. And tonight, um, I am going to be your moderator. My name is Susie Hutomo. I am uh, I, I live in Bali, so it's great that I can be the moderator here at the Ubud Writers and Readers Festival. And tonight we have uh, two speakers, uh, Professor Dr. Uh, Ching Li of the Nippon Medical School, and who is also the chairman of the Forest Medicine in Japan. And he has just uh, written, uh, well, it's, it's been a few years now, he's got a book called For Forest Bathing, How Trees Can Help You Find health and happiness Thank you. and um we also have dr margaret loman or we'll call her dr canopy make who's uh, a national geographic explorer and the founder of the tree foundation and she's here to talk about her book um the argonaut the arbonaut sorry sorry thank you susie lovely <laughs> sorry <laughs> Yes, uh, I was just going to show you a book, actually, which I bought a digital copy. And uh, tonight we have Dr. Margaret Lohman, whom we're going to call Dr. Canopy Meg. And why is that? Um, because she just wrote this book called The Arbornaut, A Life Discovering the Eighth Continent in the Trees Above Us. Thank and you, Susie. Lovely. Dr. Canopy Meg is a National Geographic Explorer and the founder of the Tree Foundation. Welcome everyone to the Ubud uh, Writers and Readers Festival. Um, I'm really excited uh, to have you both here because I'm a big lover of the environment. I love trees, you know, so it's, it's really exciting for me. Um, can I start out with Dr. Ching Li? Um, okay. Great. So... Uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit, Dr. Chingli, how did you come to be uh, focusing on forest medicine? Um, has that got to do anything with something in your childhood, perhaps? Give us a little glimpse into how you came to be doing what you are doing. Mm. Okay. In fact, uh, I was born in, in China uh, in a very small village. So in my village, there are a lot of um, popular forests. So I, yeah, I usually play the game in the forest with my friends. So I love the nature and the forest from my childhood. In fact, I uh, graduated from uh, Sanxi Medical University in China. Mm. I got my medical doctor license in China in the oh, 1984. Yeah. There I came to Japan in 1988. Mm. And uh, I also got the Japanese doctor license in Japan. Uh, okay. so, I, so I have both, both, uh, both uh, doctor license in Japan and in China. Wow. Yeah, so must have been something. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, my major, my major is environmental medicine. I see. So yeah, I yeah started the effect of uh, environment factors on home house. For example, uh, uh, the environment air pollution, the pesticides, also the I stress, see. Yes, stress yes. lifestyle. Yeah. In fact, 
the fourth environment is also one kind of environment. Hmm. So I also, yeah, in fact, some people study first, some people study medicine. Hmm. I study first medicine to find the beneficial effects of the fourth vision. I see. So in fact, yeah, I also have the background uh, of studying at the Stanford University on the topic of uh, immunology. I see, yes. Anti-cancer protein. Hmm. So in fact, the first Beijing is proposed in Japan in 1982. I, oh, it was yes. already from 1982. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. See. At, the, at the early stage, there are no scientific, scientific evidence, only common sense. So yeah. many people believe if we yeah, take Fort Beijing in the beautiful Japanese forest, we will get a good effect, but there mm. are no, no, no data, no evidence. Right. So, in fact, in the 2004, the Japanese forest agents would study the effect of forest building from the scientific perspective. I see. Yeah. And that was, yeah. is that the Nippon Medical School or, or another association? Yeah, Nippon Medical School. Yeah, that time I, I, I was in uh, at the Nippon Medical School. So because of my background, so I have the background of the fourth medicine and the environment medicine. I also have the background of the studies at Stanford University. So I also love nature from my childhood. Mm. From my background. Yeah. So the uh, Japanese agents, Japanese fourth agents invited me to the project, to the fourth project in 2004. So from 2004, I have studied, conducted many uh, experiments on the topic of forest bathing. Mm. So, in, in fact, yeah. And uh, I have published a lot of scientific paper in the topic of forest bathing. And uh, I also yeah, published this book, The Fourth Medicine, in, mm. in the America, in America, in mm. two. To, in, in 2012, in 2012. Oh, 2012. Yeah. So I so I have established a new science called the, oh, the forest. forest medicine. It's a new science. But and that is a scientific book. You, I think you mentioned it's a book yeah, for. Yeah, this is a this is a scientific book for research. So, mm. so fantastic. This is a, yeah. In fact, I will talk to you later. So we, I also published this book. Yes. So I will talk about this book later. So this is why this is a background of of my study of the forest bathing, of the forest therapy, and the forest medicine. So Thank you. Okay. It's okay. Yes, it's okay. Thank you very much, Dr. Chingli. That's a, okay. a great understanding of your journey from uh, your own hometown and i know a similar story i'm sure from meg um you know how your childhood and what you did in the end you know actually fit together but perhaps um now to dr canopy meg uh could you tell us also a little bit about your own journey and how you came to be in canopy science Sure, and it's interesting the parallel because I guess I developed a new science as well as Doctor did. Um, in my latest book is called The Arbor Knot, but I published about a half a dozen textbooks and scientific books first, wow, which sort of mapped the journey and the expertise of all that we've discovered in the tops of the trees. Um, I'll see if I can share the screen and if I can't, I'll keep talking. But um, right. basically uh, there's a lot of amazing uh, biodiversity and what we've just, can you see that now? Not yet. Oh, okay. So maybe it's not going to quite share, but let's see again. Um, the interesting thing about the, uh, there we go. Okay. Um, Canopy is that, um, how about now? Can you see something? Yes. Not yet. Well, then never mind. I won't share it. <laughs> we'll just talk about no, it. No, it's happening now. It's oh, it happening. is. Okay, then that's great. Then I will share it. But what's amazing is in the tops of the trees, 
thanks to a handful of us that climbed up and looked at the whole tree, not just the bottom of the tree in the late 1970s, we now know that about half of the species on the land part of our earth live in the treetops, which is amazing. And when I first got my start, I actually welded a slingshot out of a piece of metal and sewed a harness and borrowed some ropes from a caving team because those kinds of equipment for going up to the top of the tree weren't readily available. And um, I do look back uh, similarly to my own childhood where I loved nature as a child. I lived in a very small town in Northern New York state where there weren't movie theaters. There weren't of course, computers or cell phones. And so I played outdoors a lot. I collected, here I am with my wildflower collection as a child where I entered it into a science fair. and. I think for a lot of us who became biologists, we started out collecting things. I had snakeskins under my bed and rocks and twigs and dried oh flowers. So my mother wasn't so happy about that. <laughs> but anyway, you know, lo and behold, I grew up and continued my love of nature by climbing into trees and being one of the first people to explore the whole tree. Whereas foresters usually looked at the base of a tree and rarely went up, but they cut the tree down to come to them. Um, I actually went up the tree and developed a lot of new methods, uh, one of which is the canopy walkway. And we piloted some inflatable gadgets to go up trees. And some of us climbed at night because different animals are active at night. So it was quite an amazing journey. And again, the most important result might be to know that so many things live in the tops of trees, which makes it really, really, really important. Um, in my book, I do pilot the timeline. I'll just kind of illustrate it here, but there were these amazing discoveries, but it's only in the last 30 years that we have had canopy science. Whereas people discovered coral reefs in the 1950s when scuba gear was invented, we went to outer space in the 1960s, but we didn't start exploring the tops of trees until the 1970s and 80s. Um, so with that, I will stop sharing and we can just kind of chat, but that gives you a little summary of what's in the book. Hopefully my experiences developing the science of canopy biology and also my hurdles as a woman in science and maybe a little bit at the end about how is it we can save our forests, which is so, so yeah. important. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, such a fascinating, I mean, I've read your book. It's fascinating. The first part is about, you know, how you grew up and about all the challenges of being a woman in this very male dominated field. And then onto the science, you know, absolutely amazing. And, and the similarly with Dr. Ching Lee, I enjoyed your book so much because it's a very calming book in a way, very orderly. You know, you're both quite similar in the sense that you're both scientists, but uh, the approaches were very different. So I found it quite fascinating. And I would urge all of you out there at the Ubud Writers Festival to make sure you read both these books. Okay, so back, yeah. so back again to Dr. Ching Lee. Um, you know, we're at a book festival. So now I'd like to ask uh, both of you and Dr. Ching Lee first, um, on your book, uh, how did you come to write this more popular version? Because now I know you've written other books before, more scientific. But how did you decide to write something that was uh, for the public? And okay. was it difficult to write something like that after writing your scientific books? Okay, thank you for your question. In fact, I, I told you, so I... In fact, the fourth page is my second book. The first book is Fourth Medicine. Right. So I published this book in 2012 in America. But right. this book is, is for the research and not for the public. So in fact, after the public publisher, publisher, the Pink Random House, read my this book. After they mm -hmm. read my book, they found that this book is too difficult to the public. I see. So you have to write a book for public. I see. So, so yeah. we, we have decided to write a new book. That book is this book, The Fourth Busy. So, right. in fact, the, the purpose for this book is for the pub, public, not for the research. So, right. it's very easy to understand the science of the Fourth Busy. Right. So, in fact, 
as you know, I'm Chinese, not a native speaker, English right. speaker. But ha right. I have the background uh, of uh, uh, the studying uh, uh, studying at the Stanford University. Ah, I see. Uh, yeah. We we'll help and you. I also, yeah, I am almost uh, visit America um, twice a year for uh, for yeah attending the scientific meeting. Yes. To my data. So I can, mm -hmm. yeah, I can write uh, uh, English, but not a native, native speaker. So, yes, but for this reason, the publisher set up a team for my book. I see. Wow. So in the first place, we discussed the contents of the book. That yeah. I will, I, yeah, I wrote the first, first, yes, first version of the draft. Yeah. Yeah, based on the the discussion. So mm, then okay. I sent sent my uh, draft to the team. So they are native speaker. <laughs> so yes. they will, yeah, they will modify my English. So yes, after they modify my English, modification, they will return to me again. So yeah. I will confirm if they if their correction are, are good. Correct or not? Yeah, yeah, acceptable. So and... we, we repeat this is process several times. Okay. How it's is it a, different though? It looks, it took about one year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one year. Yes, I understand. Yeah. Is it difficult to to write for the public, you know, to put the ideas for the public, yeah. uh, you know, in a way that was interest, you know, in a way that is easy for public to understand rather than, you know, so, a medical book? Yeah, you're How, right. What's the difficulty? Yeah, in fact, in the in the scientific book, we use a lot of lot of figure. For example, yeah, like this, we we use a lot of figure in the, this is a scientific book. But uh, right. for the yeah for the for the book for the public, you have to use the use the, yeah use the very easy word, mm, very easy word to. Describe, describe, yeah, describe the the story. Yes, describe the story the, and the yeah, data. The yeah. story that is the the uh, hard hard for for the beginning became a from a feeling to a science. <laughs> yes, so, I see, I see. Because, yeah, because I have a lot of data, lot of data. It's not uh, difficult to me to write this book because I have a lot of data. I just uh, write this book based. Based on this book, and just uh, use the words which which are very easy to understand. Ah, I see. Thank you. So, Thank you very uh, much. So, so yeah, so the team we have teamwork. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and now, Doctor Canopy Meg, can you tell us a little bit about writing your book? How did sure, you? Sure. Sure. Um, this book is for the public, absolutely, and I will say that um, similarly to the doctor, I had a past of writing textbooks and other things, but for me, uh, two reasons I wrote a book for the public. One is I was a very ordinary kid. I never had a woman science teacher. I didn't know girls could do science. I grew up in a small town without any museums or activities that would have given me some insight to science. So I felt like my story is one that maybe other kids could benefit from knowing that even an ordinary kid can discover something new. And so that to me, I hope was an inspiration for other kids. And secondly, as a girl in science, I knew that there's a lot of hurdles. And maybe if I could tell my stories that young women could benefit from my I call them misadventures from all of my bad experiences. It could be beneficial to girls moving forward. Um, the reason I think I was excited about writing a book for the public, maybe is because I'm a mom too. I'm a scientist, but I'm also a parent and I was a single mom. So I grew up having to tell my boys at the dinner table when they were very little, what was mommy doing all day? So I had to learn about storytelling to make my children understand what their mom was doing. And that storytelling is, of course, I think the essence of writing a book for the public. And especially now in science, it's really mm -hmm. important 
started to communicate science. So maybe telling my stories in a way that the public can enjoy or understand is really important to helping them save forests, understand trees, and maybe even be part of the solution of our planet's health. Hmm. I also noticed in you in your um, how how much um, importance you placed on involving students and children, you know, and 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 how did that um, also perhaps um, did you wish did you when you wrote the book um, also think that you know uh, young children might be also inspired? I hope so. And again, I think. I guess think back to my own childhood where I wished I'd had stories of someone or I wished I'd known that other people could overcome hurdles and solve problems in science and maybe do it um, the way I did it. So I was just hoping that it would serve as some kind of example. And like I said, even my mistakes could be useful to some <laughs> young person reading it. And because I had to struggle a little bit, it makes me, I think, have have a lot more empathy for students. So yes, I'm always trying to be inclusive in my science. I've been developing programs for kids in wheelchairs and for minorities, including girls, because I guess I see myself a little bit reflected in the fact that it wasn't easy. So therefore, maybe I can help make it a little easier for the next generation of young people. Yeah. That, that's fantastic. I really love that. And then all your struggles as a woman, you know, I, I, I totally identify with that. <laughs> and it's not just science. I know that in many fields, you know, women are still juggling, making the dinner and helping with the homework and doing the laundry and doing the work and the job. And, you know, all those things add up to, I think, giving women some hurdles in their ability to have career and family. Yeah, and you're like a, a fabulous example as a scientist, you know, and, and, you know, imagine that you had to travel so far, you know, to Africa, to everywhere, and, and being a single mom, that's quite amazing. You know, for me, that was amazing reading that book. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> okay, so all of you out there who are women who want to know about how this wonderful woman uh, made it, um, you know, and, and started a new science called Canopy Science, you should read this book. It's it's an amazing story of how she achieved that, even though she was a single mother with two children. Yeah. Okay, now uh, let's get right into the book then, Dr. Ching Li. Um, on your book, um, can you tell us a little bit about the science of forest bathing, what it is, how, why, why is forest bathing so beneficial? You know, can you okay. tell us a bit more? Yeah. And you might want to share your slides. Yeah. In fact, uh, stress, stress is a key word to understand the, the background of the science behind of the forest bathing. In fact, in 1984, techno stress, you know, you maybe you know the techno stress, in 1984, uh, techno stress due to the new technology. Oh, technocrats. New technology yeah. will produce techno <laughs> stress. It's we call the techno stress. For example, you use your phone, yeah, use your computer, I use some new machine. So, so stress is a keyword to understand the uh, background of the forest business. In fact, stress can reduce many chronic diseases such as cancers. Hypertension, mm. yeah, depression, cardiovascular diseases, panic mm. disorder, sleep disorder, eating disorder, yeah. you name it. However, forest bathing can reduce stress. Mm. So it's a key word. Yeah. In fact, before before the study of the forest bathing, I have my hypothesis. So because so immune function, immune function is very important for human health. So immune cell will can kill tumor cells. Yeah. Can kill virus, can kill bacteria, terror. So the immune cell, immune system is very important for human health. And the stress will reduce inhibit immune function. Mm. And I speculate that for breathing may improve, may boost immune function by reducing stress. Mm. So this is my yeah the story of the the start of the, my story. So from two thousand four, 
to tonight. I conduct many experiments to confirm the to investigate the effect of forbidden a home house. So I took people, took a subject to the forest mm -hmm. and uh, let them to yeah take a fort bathing while you slow walk. So before and after the fort bathing, I took a blood sample. I see. Wow. Sample, yeah, to measure the immune function, to measure the blood pressure, to measure the stress hormone. Mm. Yeah. I found, yeah, after the 20, almost 20 years ex, uh, research, I have found forbidden can reduce your stress and stress hormone, such as adrenaline, noradrenaline, and cortisol. Mm. Forbidden can reduce your blood pressure and heart rate. Wow. It prevents the hypertension and heart diseases. Forbidden can boost your immune function. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, can improve your sleep quality. Mm. Yeah. Forbidden also can improve your positive feelings and reduce your negative feeling so mm. negative emotions such as anxiety depression anger fatigue confusion so to show the product productive effect on the depression so so for better also can reduce your they call the sympathetic nervous mm. so, mm. and reduce the sympathetic nervous and improve the parasympathetic nerves. We call the rest and restore it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So for yeah. You, so many, many beneficial effects. So it's very many. So because a lot of beneficial effects. So after I published this book, so many people enjoyed for business very much. In fact, this book has been translated into 26 languages. <laughs> It's yeah, amazing. Very, yeah, very popular because yeah. because the power of the fort busy. <laughs> because because I yeah I find the power of the fort busy. Yeah. Yeah. Because my experiment, the fort busy has become a, a, a science from feeling because from feeling to a science. Yes, yeah, true. A word, yeah, it's a key yeah. word for the fort busy from yeah. feeling to a science. Okay? True. So yeah, how is it? This is not a feeling. It's a science, right? It's a proven, proven science. Okay. And you also mentioned in your book that it's not just the relaxation, but there's something from the trees, from the leaves. Um, could you tell yeah. us a bit about that? Yeah. In fact, so the fourth pigeon, we so when we join, enjoy the fourth pigeon, we usually use the five senses: senses of the smell, senses of the sight, senses of the hearing sense of touch and sense of taste. So mm. for example, you just see beautiful scenery of the forest feet, we call it sense of the sight. Also right. the good smell, mm. because uh, yeah, we call it the, yes, the forest smell. Mm. But yeah, also the cause the essential oil. So the, mm. it's a total effect of the five senses. So for, for example, even, yeah, even in the city, you also can enjoy the for building in city parks. Yes, that's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So that's how the forest bathing became from a, from a, how do you say, just a feeling into a science. From Fantastic. a feeling to a science. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe you have hospitals or something like that around Japan yeah. uh, for forest bathing or centers or something like that. Could you tell yeah. us a bit? In fact, in Japan, we have a, 65 we call the force therapy basis oh so first we have in fact we have 40 uh, 65 uh, forest therapy bases from the north of the hokkaido to south of the okinawa in the whole oh. country so this uh, those four bases were certified by scientific research i so see we, so yeah, we took a, yeah, we took a subject to the forest and uh -huh. stay there for the several hours. After, yeah, before and after, we measure some uh, parameters like blood pressure, stress hormone, and also right. the heart rate, blood pressure. Uh, so we confirm the effect of the forest bathing. Right. How, forest. Many, so, how many hours do you have to be in the forest uh, in order to get the benefits? Yeah, longer, better. Mm. <laughs> longer, longer <laughs> the better. But uh, yeah. 
if you two hours, two hours yeah. will give you a good good effect. So we usually oh, uh, yes, I usually send, send people to stay for at least two hours. And I read in your book with no mobile phone. Is that true? Yeah, no, yeah, no phone. <laughs> because in fact, stress, stress is bad one. Stress, so, mm. so, so stress from the new technology, including mm. the cellular phone, including a camera, a computer. So I see. In fact, in the modern, in the modern people, modern people, we are, we, we disconnect from nature. Mm. Because of the new technology, I see. So, so you, you I, need so to get I, away from so, all of that and so go into. I, I usually yeah, I talk uh, told, uh, tell the, tell the people. So during the first visit, you don't use your phone, don't use your camera because yeah, yeah. If you use your phone and use your camera, you will miss the first landscape. Mm. <laughs> you will, yeah, you will yeah, yeah because. Uh, they will produce stress to mm. reduce the effect of for busy. Yes, yes. So you can, you, you, can, you, uh, you can check your phone and the camera after for busy. No, uh, yes. for busy. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's a, a, a very uh, wonderful tip. I have to tell my kids not to have your phone while you are enjoying nature. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do the far vision. Don't yes, use yes. check your phone. Yes. <laughs> Just uh, enjoy for the atmosphere. Yes. Okay. Um, and now to Dr. Canopy Mag. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the science? Uh, you know, this. I think you've, you basically founded Canopy Science. Could you tell us a bit about that and, and why that is um, so important for us now? Sure. And I think... It probably links to forest bathing in many ways. When you think about climbing a tree, everybody was a child at some point. And a lot of times when I give lectures, I ask people, whoever climbed a tree in their childhood, and most everyone raises his or her hand and remembers that. And of course, we are related to primates that lived in the trees in many cases. So there is some connection, I think, with our health and our well-being to think about climbing a tree. At least it brings a smile to people's faces. Uh, so the science, as I did mention a little bit earlier, was born in a sense when I was so interested in leaves. I wanted to look at this crazy but simple question about how long a leaf lives on a tropical tree because we know in the temperate zones they fall every year in my childhood the trees would turn orange and yellow the leaves that is and they would fall in the winter mm -hmm. and come back in the spring for six months and yet in the tropics it's green all year round so as i gazed up to these tall tropical trees as a graduate student for my first time in a rainforest i couldn't believe that they stayed green all the time and I thought, well, maybe the leaves live two years at the most, and that would make a perfect PhD research project. So my advisor said, but wait a minute, you have to climb the tree. And I said, really? Couldn't I train a monkey or something? And he said, <laughs> no, I think you'll have to invent a way to climb the tree. So lo and behold, that's what led me to creating a slingshot to put the string line over a branch and then put the rope up and create a harness to hold myself onto the rope and get up there. And lo and behold, when I first climbed up, and there were a handful of us that did that way back in the beginning. It was just amazing. It was like coming into a new world full of life, full of fruits and flowers and pollinators. And lo and behold, a guy in Costa Rica did the same thing as I did in Australia. So I basically started the science in the um, you know, Asia, in the tropics of Australia, whereas another guy was inventing a similar technique in Costa Rica. So we both never knew each other for five years before the days of internet, but um, were some of the first people to make those discoveries. And it was pure fun, I have to say. Um, I went on to build one of the first canopy walkways or at least help design it so that I could take other people into the trees. You can't have 10 people on one rope or guess what, you might break it. It could be dangerous, but on a bridge, an aerial trail, it's quite wonderful to take a group up and make discoveries together. 
Mm, that's fabulous. And that's kind of like forest bathing too, right? Walking in the <laughs> in the canopy. Yes, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's very healthy and people do feel so invigorated. It gives you such a different view of the forest to be in the top of the tree versus mm -hmm. being in the very dark, sometimes a little bit um, quieter forest floor, whereas the canopy is, I call it riotous with all the life mm, and wow. lots of the good oxygen um, up in the canopy close to the leaves, of course. Mm, fascinating. So how about this canopy science now? I mean, I mean, besides the fact that you sort of built these things and, and you know, take people there, but what's this, what's the scientific thing? What's the so, benefit of, yeah. of uh, discoveries on the canopy for us? You know, being up there by developing the toolkit, of course, it allowed us to get very close to all sorts of things. Here's this is kind of crazy, but this little okay. jar has a new species yeah. of beetle from the Amazon. Oh and okay. you might say, oh, it's very brown and small and ordinary, but it's a really important piece of the whole complex quilt of the forest where this thing eats the bromeliads and the bromeliads house the uh, poison dart frogs and the birds drink from the bromeliads. So everything's interconnected. And by going into the canopy, we were able to solve a lot of the mysteries and questions about what makes a forest healthy. And we were able to do things like measure the amount of oxygen the leaves produce, measure the carbon storage of the whole tree, start to understand how trees are this incredible climate control. And of course, understand a lot of these millions of new species, which some of which could be the cures for cancer, many of which are important pollinators that help the farmers near the forests. And mm -hmm. so it just gave us all of the answers about the forest that we never knew before. And it is all, of course, this overarching science called ecology where we explore oh, the relationships and we can't have just a tree we need to have the creatures that live in the tree that nibble the leaves and produce the nutrients by pooping on the forest floor and mm -hmm. we need to have the pollinators of the fruits of the tree and we need to have the neighboring tree and the things that live on the tree surface like moss and lichen so canopy science has really opened our eyes to understanding that complexity of a tropical forest, as well as the mysteries of the simpler temperate forests. So it's been important in all kinds of forests around the world. That's fantastic, especially here in Indonesia, where we still have quite a bit of tropical forest, although it's disappearing as we no, all know. You have to work hard for your forest. They're very, yeah. very important and very special indeed. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's fascinating. So what else, what other discoveries? I mean, I've read your book and you talk about how anybody would be able to find new species, you know, I mean, it's just like, wow, really, you know, and, and, and how does that, how do you say, uh, because, you know, I'm not an ecologist so, or a biologist. So how does that uh, science of, of discovering new things, as you said, how does that become a, a store of knowledge? I mean, right. uh, for humanity. You know, in some ways, it's like a genetic library. And our knowledge is, is really important to understand that library. A little parallel might be if you go to an art gallery, don't you love it when you see an artist that you recognize or you say, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I know about that art. And so if you go into the forest and you know one or two species, you feel really happy about that. You might look around and say, oh, it's just green. I don't know anything, but the minute you start recognizing a little bird or hearing a song of a bird or knowing one species of tree, I think it gives you a lot of importance about feeling comfortable, feeling excited, enthusiastic. So we will probably never know everything that lives in a forest. In fact, canopy biologists estimate that something like 90% of what's in the canopy is still unknown and mm. unclassified. But if one or two of those has it, produces a toxin that might cure a disease mm -hmm. or that might be responsible for some level of keeping that tree healthy because we now know that a little moderate amount of chewing on leaves can actually incite growth of the tree and help keep the tree healthy in a sense. Mm -hmm. So we need to understand all those dynamics so that we can 
create healthy forests. We can't mm -hmm. simply expect the trees to grow forever. And as we shrink forests and we cut them down, we also need to know how to restore them. We can't just plant trees. Mm -hmm. We need to bring the bugs back and the birds back and the animals back. We need to know what is the composition of the forest in order to restore healthy forests. So the canopy is that hot spot of life. We need to understand all of the pieces of that system in order to put it back together when it's becoming more and more important as we continue to degrade our forests, I'm sad to tell you. Yes, yes. Yeah, we're all very sad about that, unfortunately. But we'll we'll go back to that later. Um, now back to Dr. Ching Li. Um, you know, if we are uh, now mostly, I mean, most of the world, more than 50% of the people of the world now live in cities. And it's absolutely wonderful to think that in Japan, where you have one of the, you know, several of the biggest cities in the world, even, uh, you have 65 centers of, you know, of uh, medical forest medicine. Forest therapy places. Yes. Yeah. So then how... Uh, how does that relate, though, to our our city life? How do you do? You have any advice? How now that we know forest bathing is so mm -hmm. important, if we are living in cities, uh, what mm -hmm. do we do? Okay. In fact, uh, city so people in the big city also can enjoy forest bathing by visiting the city parks. So in Tokyo, we have a lot of. Uh, big city park with a lot of trees. So in my in my studies, I have found that walking the city parks also can reduce your stress, stress hormone, oh. reduce your negative feelings, negative emotions like anxiety, depression, anger, fatigue, confusion, and improve your positive feelings like vigor. So just two hours, walking the big city, city park. parks. Yeah, this is the first one. But if you don't have a big city park, yeah. you, you also do? can enjoy, yeah, enjoy forest bathing in small parks. So with, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, not a not, uh, lot of trees, but a uh, uh, smaller number of trees also uh, have a uh, yeah, smaller effect. Yeah, this is uh, the forest bathing in the city parks. You also can, Put, you, can, you can bring your, the fort building into your home, to your office. Your home? How do you yeah. do that? For example, so do you know the essential oil? Mm. The essential oil, yeah, uh, take, take, taking from the trees. For mm. example, in Japan, we have very good, good essential oil. We call the Japanese cypress. Oh. Japanese cypress or the pine tree is a pine tree. In fact, in the first place of the fort building in Japan, there are a lot of Japanese cypress pine trees. In fact, right. because the, the, the pines will produce a lot of essential oil, a lot of what we call that the fungicide, yeah. mm. a good smell. Mm. In fact, at the, that fort, the first place of fort building, at that forest, there are almost no mosquito. Oh, mosquito, yeah. did you say? Mosquito, no mosquito, no mosquito because no. of the smell. This is oh. no, yeah, it's true. It's not a joke. It's true. Mm. You can visit one. Yeah, this is very good because of the the we call the sense of the the smell. So I want to say, if you if you don't have a forest in the city park, you can enjoy the sense of the smell by using essential oil. At your home, at your office. So, in fact, I use use the essential oil at my office, mm. my home. Yeah, right. I use the yeah. So you can produce the smell from by by yeah. using the uh, yeah essential oil from the trees. It's was especially from the Japanese cypress trees. Oh, so this is yeah, smell. Another way is you can put some plants flower. Yeah, into, into your home, your home, your office, mm. and uh, enjoy the sense of the sight. Mm, that's true. Five yeah. senses. Yeah, watch DVD recently. There are a lot of 
built for DVD uh, taken from oh. the forest. So you, yes, you can enjoy by YouTube, yeah. The lot mm -hmm. of for the for the DVD, you can enjoy the uh, sense of the the site also mm -hmm. sense of hearing. So mm. lot of the yeah the, the forest we call the, the side side of the forest. Yeah, that's fascinating. You, you could have a, a little yeah. forest spa. You know, you just uh, enjoy okay. the size, the sound. How about the taste? You mentioned in your book also. If so, you go forest bathing in the forest, how does the sense of taste come into it? Yeah, in fact, for example, during your you visit the forest, you will taste the fresh air from the forest. Mm. You also can drink the water. We call the mist mm -hmm. in Japan. We call the lot of yeah water from from the, from the yeah. forest. Yeah, in fact, in Japan, a lot of uh, good forest. We call the mist good forest from the forest. Good, good uh, water, good water from the forest. Water, okay. Yeah, water. So you also yeah. can uh, uh, taste. You also can eat the food, eat food, take taking from the foraging from the forest. Um, so we we call the Japanese uh, vegetable, Japanese mountain vegetable. Japanese. Oh, sometimes yeah. yes, I know. Yes, yeah. yes, so, so, yes, so, yes. Yeah, yes. Japanese Japanese mountain vegetable. Vegetable. I yeah, see. Yeah, this is a taste. So in Japan, in fact, in the forest therapy basis in Japan, they provide the we call the forest therapy meals. No. For the lunch box. Mm, my goodness. Yeah, the box, yeah, the take the food take from the forest. We the from the rice from the forest, the the food from the forest, the vegetable from the forest. Also wow, the, amazing. Yeah, water. Tea from the forest, so we call the forest therapy lunch box. So it's a sense of the taste. So there are lot of the, the, the another one, the sense of the touch. So you can touch the tree. Mm. You also tree can put your whole body in the forest atmosphere. We call the sense of the touch. You also also can walk in the forest by your bare foot. <laughs> With your bare foot, we yeah. must ask yeah. Meg about yeah. that. But you, 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 you have to com confirm the safety of the forest. Yeah, of course, <laughs> when of course. The, yeah, when you're walking by barefoot, yeah. so you can connect the yeah nature, connect the uh, forest, connect the grass by your foot, by your barefoot. So, so you can enjoy the forest by the breathing by total five senses. Mm, that's true. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you don't always have to be in the forest, but yeah, you yeah. know, sometimes just to have beautiful DVD playing on your huge screen or yeah. pictures. Yeah, that's that's so wonderful. And I yeah. think we have many many people who fall in love and become you know even biologists just by watching Animal Planet. Yeah. Uh, you know, all beautiful. Yeah. You know, partly that's how I came to be environmentalist a little bit because you know spent all my youth watching you know Jacques Cousteau and you know everybody else uh you know David Attenborough that's that's part of my own uh education so so I I, I realize what you mean yeah because I think a lot of us think that if we don't have a forest then we can't do forest bathing right I mean maybe in Indonesia it's still possible we still have forests like like an hour or two away but I think after reading your book uh, realize very much what to do because I think you you did say right when you mm. go to the forest what to do yeah mm. what were the things that you said about what to do when you're in the forest yeah. to be quiet so, or something I, I can't you know with the yeah, light fact, uh, yeah forest vision is a very simple activity you just a slow walk so so slow walk is good for the be beginner beginner of the for vision because okay. if you walk too fast, you will miss the landscape. You will miss the mm -hmm. for the atmosphere. So slow walk. So you also can do some tai chi. Tai chi. Tai chi. Tai chi. Okay. So yeah. I'm Chinese, so I can do some tai chi <laughs> exercise. So oh, I will yeah, <laughs> show people how to enjoy forest bathing in the in the in the forest by ex by the exercise of tai chi. So you also can do the Deep breathing, like mm. this one. You also can do some yoga, yoga breathing. So, also you can take a picnic with your friend and with your family. So, is it okay to talk? Yeah, is it okay to talk, or we have to be very quiet? No, but yeah, 
just it's very important just be in nature be in forest yeah and uh, don't uh, use the cellular phone don't use your camera yeah forget the daily daily life <laughs> daily life just yes. uh, yeah <laughs> into the forest yeah stay in forest yeah being forest is very yeah. important Thank you. Thank you. It's okay. like an immersion yeah. in the forest. Thank you yeah. very much, Dr. Okay, thank you. Okay. Uh, now back to back to Dr. Meg again, Dr. Canopy Meg. Um, like we said, um, you know, you've been around, I know, uh, to all parts of the world. Can you tell us a little bit about the future of forests? And, um, you know, we've, we've seen obviously the wildfires going around. As a scientist, yes. can you tell us a bit more? I will. And, you know, just to comment on the, the forest bathing, I think to myself how amazing and wonderful it is for people to get health when they go out into a forest. But of course, without canopy biologists and the research in forests, we won't have those habitats in the future. And I make an analogy in my book about what if you went to a doctor and he just looked at your big toe and said, your brain is healthy, your ears and eyes are fine. You would probably switch doctors. And for about a hundred years, we've mostly studied trees by looking at the bottom only and never at the whole tree. And so only now if we can continue to research the whole tree and fund research on the whole forest, can we be sure that we'll have a healthy forest in the future? So somehow we have to mix forest bathing with our interest and enthusiasm yes. to do the science and keep the forest healthy. And right now, even in my lifetime, half of the world's primary forests have disappeared. It's a very mm -hmm. dire situation. And with uh, clearing for agriculture, that's one problem. With urbanization, it's a second problem. But the insidious problem is, of course, climate change caused by humans polluting the air and warming the temperature, which is now leading to a lot of insect outbreaks. Insects love hot, dry climates. Yeah, that's what I didn't understand when I read your book about the insects. And um, I'll talk about that in a minute. And then fires, of course, more fire when it's hotter and drier. So with this climate change comes this condition that is causing our forest to disappear. And if you think about it, um, a lot of insects can't thrive in the very humid uh, you know, places because they get fungal attacks or they oh, just some things happen, but they are usually, they become more epidemic, as you know, in farmers' fields and in places that have hot, dry conditions. And so we're seeing in certain parts of the world, insect outbreaks in Africa, for example, and insect outbreaks in Australia, the more it's hotter and drier, the larger the numbers of those insect outbreaks tend to be. So it's really also goes hand in hand with the fires because as we fragment the forest or break it into little pieces, it becomes drier because the edges are drier than the interior of the forest. And it's more prone to the, the flames or the volatile oils of even some of the trees igniting. So we do have um, real serious issues. Um, in my last chapter, I try to create hope. I think it's important for young people to have hope that we can save our forests and not just have a few patches left for the wealthy. Um, and yeah. so I have launched a new program called Mission Green, trying to identify those most important and endangered forests of the world, because remember, they're like a genetic library, and we need to keep those genetic libraries for the future of the world's forests. And so hopefully, and before I go to the grave, um, I can help save those 10 endangered forests by building these canopy walkways to create ecotourism and then allow local people to have an income from their forests rather than being tempted to sell the logs to the um, timber industry. So we have this economic issue that is really part of the solution of forests. And I'm just so hopeful that we can get enough funding. Uh, maybe we could get forest bathing to fund saving some of the forests or something, you know. That would be fantastic. Uh, and figure out ways to save our forests and not just the forests next to the city, but the whole earth needs her forests. You know, we Amazon for Japan and for New York City and other places. It's all part of this global cycle of health. And so it's 
all connected. And I really hope that people will read my book and start to understand how trees do keep us alive. Um, it's so, so critical. Thank you. And maybe you can tell us a little bit of your amazing project in Ethiopia. Sure. And that's one of the countries. We have a number of countries where the government and the people don't have the income for conservation the way other countries do, like Japan and America. Um, and yet that's part of our global heritage. The forests in Ethiopia have creatures and tree species found nowhere else in the world that are all so important to global health. And so I've been very fortunate. They're working with priests, religion and science together, which is something that most people say, oh, that's impossible because they don't even go together. But um, the priests want to save all of God's creatures. And I, as a biologist, want to protect biodiversity. So we've created a great partnership of trust. And through education of the priests who never have access to computers or Google Earth images to recognize how endangered their forests really are, um, I've been able to work with them and also help educate the kids in the schools. And together, we're simple, simple solutions here. Um, we're building stone walls by pulling the rocks out of the farmer's fields, which they love because yeah. it helps their crops. Right. And then we're planting, I mean, we're putting these walls around these little tiny church forests, they're called, little fragments of forest left that are surrounding the church. And we're protecting that genetic library from the cattle and sheep, eating them from the boundaries, getting um, kind of eroded by the farmers clearing and pushing against the boundaries. And we're creating these wonderful green patches and the priests are happy and the farmers are happy and the future of Ethiopia is much more insured. So it's been a great example of what I call bottom-up conservation, meaning you work with the local people. You don't just throw money at the government and hope that it trickles down to saving the trees. You really need to work with the people that live in the forests and near the forests in order to ensure the stewardship of the trees. Uh, so it's in my book again. Um, there's a whole chapter on Ethiopia, another chapter on your, well, near you, Malaysia. Um, yes, the yeah. Here's a picture of one of those church forests in the book. And you can see how the little round church in the middle is surrounded by the green and everything else has been cleared. Um, so it's a very, very urgent situation in Ethiopia to save her trees. Mm. And, and, you know, I mean, I guess if, if you see the whole of Ethiopia and you only have these little green dots, I mean, what is the, um, how do you say, some people would say, well, they only have little patches, you know, why should we save them? I mean, just as a, you know, I think that's a question some people would ask. Right. It's a great question, too. And again, it all comes back to that. Well, look at, you know, we have a few little art galleries around the world where we save the most wonderful paintings. We have these forests where we're saving the most important thing called native species. Mm -hmm. And we can just hope and pray that with time, the people in Ethiopia need more uh, sophisticated agriculture. They don't have irrigation. They don't have tractors. They don't have metal tools. So they're plowing and planting a much larger part of their landscape. But once they get that advanced agriculture, then probably they can expand the conservation of their forests. They can start to connect those little patches. They can plant back those native trees. But for now, we're in a urgent situation of saving the genetic library before it disappears because otherwise they can't ever restore their forests. Um, so mm -hmm. that's the best we can possibly do and hope for that day soon when their agriculture is advanced enough to allow them to conserve a little bit more of their landscape. Thank you. Um, and I know that you have a foundation. Uh, could you tell us, could tell our, our uh, people who are watching sure. how they did that effort? You can look online, www.treefoundation.org. Um, I started that foundation to save forests by building these canopy walkways. We built one in Florida of all places because that's where I live. And believe it or not, Florida is cutting all of her trees down for developments, for housing. And so we needed a foundation in order for people to donate funds 
to save forests. And we built a canopy walkway here in Florida to give people an appreciation for their trees. And it attracts a half a million visitors a year. It brings in about $30 million in revenue to the local community. So it's a it's one of our first examples of how these canopy walkways or aerial trails can contribute to the economy and the conservation of the local area by giving people a real love for their forests. Um, and so now we use that same tree foundation to, we're, we're hoping to build a walkway in Madagascar next year, which is very urgent to save mm -hmm. her forests. We've built a walkway in the Amazon. We've built uh, some walkways around the world, a beautiful one in Malaysia. Oh, I hope you can go, Susie, to Penang. Yes, yes, I've, I've, I've literally looked it up and I'm dying to go when this COVID is over. Again, creating these in places where the forests need us. And I'm so excited to tell you that forest in Penang just got a UNESCO designation as a world heritage, meaning it will be saved in perpetuity, which is so exciting and important. That's so exciting, yeah. Fantastic, thank you so much. Um, just as a last word, maybe, Dr. Ching Lee, um, hmm. any last few words you'd like to um, say to everyone who's uh, tuning in to this interview? Hmm. So what's yeah. your advice? Maybe something short, and then we'll yeah. go to the next. Okay. I talk about the future of the forest building. Future, yeah. In fact, uh, tree planting and forest protection are big challenge in the future. In fact, we lost a lot of forests now. Yeah. In fact, forest forests are very important to our children. So, mm. forest is good for children's mental and physical development development so so teaching teaching the importance of forest to our children is a very important part of the forest protection so mm. if our children realize the importance of the forest they will protect them right in fact if we let our children play outside now they will become the green architecture mm -hmm. of the future yes and yes. green city mappers yeah yeah and uh, tree mappers and the gardener also yes. the forest therapist yes for the medicine doctor like me <laughs> yes like you so i give you the yeah the, the final yeah last uh, last <laughs> sentence let's go to forest building Yes, thank you. <laughs> let's all go forest bathing. So yes, let's go forest bathing. Yes, yeah. let's okay. go forest bathing. Thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you thank very you. much. Yeah, thank you, Megan. Yes. I, yeah, I sure, I learned a lot of about the tree from you. Thank you. Thank you for your story. Yeah. And thank now, you, Dr. Sister, for your, yeah, yeah, yeah. For your and, interview. Uh, thank you. And Dr. Meg, perhaps some uh, last um words you'd like to leave with everyone who's sure. watching? Um, well, first I do advocate the same issue as the doctor that we have to get kids into nature. It's so important and only parents can do that. I beg mm -hmm. of every parent, not just to take their children to Disney World or Paris, but to take them out into the forest and maybe to a canopy walkway where they will be so excited to see the whole tree. Um, I think second, I like to think about the fact that trees can't speak. They're not like dolphins or, you know, primates that get a lot of attention on television for saving them. And I'm always proud to be a Lorax, which is a Dr. Seuss uh, <laughs> character that shouts for the trees. And um, in my book, in the introduction, they say that Meg is the Lorax for the trees. I think if we all can learn about trees, read my book or other books and be that voice for the trees, we really need to save big trees. It is not good enough to just plant trees. Planting trees is great for the next, uh, for your great grandchildren, but you need to save big trees in your yeah. community. And we need to have a voice for that um, because it's so tempting in cities to cut the trees down to make the highways bigger, cut the trees down for the apartment blocks, but we can make architecture work with our trees. We need to value those trees like we do <clears throat> the Mona Lisa or the Eiffel Tower and say nobody 
nobody should ever cut a big tree down. And I hope that my book and other people's interest in trees will lead them to treat trees like the big, wonderful treasure that they really are for the future of our health. So get out there and learn about trees and save trees. That's my word for everybody. Thank you very much, both of you, uh, for your great appreciation. And uh, this is uh, a wonderful end to our, um, you know, our hour-long uh, uh, chat with Dr. Ching Lee and Dr. Meg uh, Lohman. Thank you for supporting the Yayasan Mudra Swari Saraswati Patrons Program, and to the festival's partners who made the Ubud Writers and Readers festival possible and so don't forget to follow ubud writers festival on instagram and twitter and facebook or visit ubudwritersfestival.com for more information about the program thank you everyone for tuning in to this wonderful interview with our fabulous guest tonight and um don't forget talk to the trees and appreciate every tree around you, especially the really big ones. And don't forget, go forest bathing. Thank you. Good night. <laughs>